Welcome to Hashtag Gen Z. I'm your host, Megan Grace. Hey there, this is episode 32 of Hashtag Gen Z. If you've been tuning into recent episodes, we've been exploring various forms of expression and identities among Generation Z. This episode will be focusing on how Generation Z uses fashion as a form of expression. While using fashion for expression is not unique to this generation, how they've leaned into and lead fashion trends is something of note. And no, this won't be a debate about skinny jeans or side parts. As Generation Z continues to grow up and gain more financial buying power, more companies are paying attention. But if we're paying attention closely, you'll know that Generation Z isn't just going to buy just to be in style. A study by McKenzie and company found that nine in 10 members of Generation Z believe that companies have responsibilities to address environmental and social issues. We've known for a while that Generation Z are conscious consumers and that the values and practices of a company truly matter to Generation Z. But what else matters when it comes to fashion? In this episode, I'm joined by Madison Samarjan, the 23-year-old female founder of Mata. Madison holds a BA in English from Boston College with a minor in creative writing and an entrepreneurship portfolio. She grew up in Novelty, Ohio, where she spent her childhood training as a competitive figure skater. Madison now resides in New York City. So I'm very excited. I am joined by my new friend, Madison Samarjan, who's the CEO and founder of an awesome fashion app called Mata. And I was really excited to hear from Madison because um, I think that there's so so much entrepreneurship within Generation Z, but this intersection of fashion and expression. And so um, Madison, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here. So tell me a little bit more about yourself and your entrepreneurship journey. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be doing this. Um, So I grew up outside Cleveland, Ohio, um, in a little town called Novelty. Um, And I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. So my dad has his own company. My grandparents had their own store. Um, My brother followed in my dad's footsteps. So I was really surrounded by that way of life growing up. So it very much is my normal. Um, I remember family car rides where we all used to throw around different business ideas and app ideas, um, which is so funny that I went on to start an app. I guess that's how childhood works. Um, But then I went away to college in Boston. I went to Boston College and I was very set on being a journalist. I was an English major. I interned at magazines like that was the career path I was going down. Um, And then Mata came to be when I was in school. And by the time I graduated, I had investment and a bunch of partnerships. So I dropped the whole journalism track and decided to take it full time. Well, first of all, your family sounds awesome and like a family I would love to take a road trip with because I feel like I'm always thinking of business, like just fun business ideas that might not ever happen, but it's fun to think that way. And I'm sure that that has certainly helped um, with your creativity throughout your life um, in thinking and solving problems. Um, So that is uh, such a great start for you. And I think that uh, you'll find that your journalism background is not completely to waste. It's important to be a strategic communicator um, and a creative communicator. I think that comes with being an entrepreneur as well. So what really inspired or called you to start Mata? And tell us a little bit more about what Mata is and, and how that app serves people. 
Yeah, so Mata is a shopping and outfitting app. So we've been dubbed Tinder for outfits. Um, so we created an algorithm that can learn your personal style and put together outfits for you. And we partner with everyone from luxury brands to more mass fashion brands as well. So there's about 3,000 on there, ranging from Nordstrom and Gucci to $10 t-shirts we think are awesome quality. Um, and I had the idea, I was getting ready for a first date. I think it was my freshman year. And I was like tearing apart my closet and my roommate saw me like completely tornadoing. And I was like, what do I wear? And she was like, well, just wear what makes you feel the most like you. Um, and after that, I just went into a deep dive and I really wanted to figure out like the emotional connection um, between what people wear and how they shop and how they get dressed every morning um, and to see how that worked, the psychology behind it. And so throughout all my research, I came to the very obvious answer of the best outfit is the one that makes people feel the best and feel the most like them. Um, and I figured, you know, we swipe on our romantic prospects. Why can't we do the same with our clothes? Um, and so that is how it was born. And then I spent the next four years um, building it up. I sent thousands of cold emails. Um, it was a very, very, very long process. Um, and then we launched January 2020. What a time to launch a business, right? No, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure it's taught you a lot, a lot of lessons. Um, but I really love that philosophy that you've got. And I think that that takes so much time um, as someone who's slightly older than you. Um, getting that message of just wears what feels good to you and makes you feel good is something that I think so many people wish they would have learned earlier because there's so much pressure, so much societal pressure, especially when you're growing up, like when you're a, a tween, a teen and a young adult, there's this pressure to wear the cool trend. And maybe that's not always the cool trend. That's like makes you feel the best you. And so I think I just learned that lesson like recently of just being like totally cool with this is what makes me feel happy. It makes me feel comfortable and confident. So I love that that's really at the heart of what you're trying to do with this app and help people. And I, I we're going to get into Gen Z and expression, but I have to imagine that's that's kind of there and that's present um, in what you're trying to do. But let's let's stick to uh, starting this amazing app that you've worked so hard on for the last few years. What has been one of your biggest challenges or hurdles in starting and managing Mata? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, with entrepreneurship. There's always something every day. It is a roller coaster, that's for sure. Um, but I'm someone that really I love to fly before I can crawl, and I always am looking at the big picture and where I want to go. Um, and so I think that because of that, I have this idea of a timeline, or I did have an idea of a timeline of when I wanted everything to work and go. And I've learned, you know, I make a plan and then it goes absolutely nothing like I was expecting. Um, we were supposed to launch September of 2019. And, you know, I am very overambitious. So I was trying to sign on as many brands as I could. Um, and my advisor was like, Madison, chill out. Like you have enough. Let's just launch. Let's play it safe. And I didn't do that. And the app crashed about like a week before we were supposed to go live. Um, and so then we had to put it off all the way until January. And so I think really learning to be flexible and adaptable to things has been a lesson that I'm learning the hard way, definitely. Um, and understanding that it can take four years to sign one brand on board. But then within six months, I can have 
3,000 after that. So nothing quite moves on its own timeline. And that's been a lesson I've been really trying to accept recently. Yes, I think if 2020 taught us as the society anything, it was to be adaptable and realize that plans are going to change and curveballs are going to come. And so I'm glad that you actually got a little bit of a heads up on that one as you were starting this app. Um, But it's good to hear that things are are moving and shaking with this. And that's fantastic. I love to see young people in entrepreneurship. I think there's a certain level of energy that's required for entrepreneurship. And why not in your youth um, to go pursue it? And so I am just so proud to hear of what you're working on um, and being able to provide to people. So really, as a member of Generation Z, you've got a pulse on what is cool and really what is the trend, um, be it a certain style or just an ethos around fashion and trends. So let's talk. Like, What are some of the major trends that you're seeing among Generation Z related to fashion that can be a specific style or just a mindset around fashion? But I think that that's something that everyone's curious about. Every generation kind of has their own their own vibe, their own style thing. We won't even get into side parts and skinny jeans. I don't want to go there. Um, but I know that you've probably got an idea around what really matters to Generation Z when it comes to fashion. Yeah, we can talk general and then we can get more specific if you want. But um. I called up my friend the other day and I was like, do you think it's okay to wear wear suede cowboy boots in the summer? And she was like, Madison, anything goes nowadays. It's all just how you wear it. And I think that really describes Generation Z very well, um, our age group. It's very much everything's back in style. You're kind of saying, oh, the 2000s and the 70s and this and that. Um, And it's like, okay, so what isn't in style anymore? And I think that that really shows so much about our age group and how I think we're really pushing the envelope with things. And we're very much, um, you know, the whole free to be you and me is really starting to come out socially and then in business. um, And we're really seeing it in fashion too. So I got the suede cowboy boots um, and I'm going to wear them in the summer. And I think it's really about like finding what works for you. Like we were talking about earlier, that's how I really set up Mata. So if you want to wear the trendiest, newest dad sneaker outfit, like you totally can. But if you're someone that likes, you know, to play it a little bit more safe. If you're someone that doesn't even really like to participate in trends, you can do that too. It's all about really amplifying your own. Madison, I love your thought around this idea, like you can wear what you really the identity and the style with Gen Z is just wear what makes you feel happy, like, and what you can pull off and what you're most comfortable in. And I think that that is so much we're seeing that in identity and expression around Generation Z a lot. And I think that that's fantastic that there's not this like element of judgment way back when it was like, if you had the wrong shoes at school, like you weren't considered cool or you weren't considered accepted. And I think that the love and acceptance that's acceptance that is present within Generation Z is just permeating into so many elements of, of life and society with Generation Z. So I would love from your perspective, how do you think fashion plays a role in Generation Z's expression and personal identity? I think that Generation Z, not just in fashion, um, we really question a lot. And when older generations accepted, this is, you know, how the way things were done is we're always done. This is how we're going to do it. Gen Z really questions why. And um, we don't we're not we don't like to be kept in that box anymore. And I think that we're really starting to see that with 
you know, our fashion choices as well. And the fact that, you know, everything is coming back into style and you kind of can wear whatever you want. Um, granted, I live in New York City, so I want to make it clear that my experience with that may not necessarily be where everyone else is at, um, because in New York, everyone is ultra expressive anyways. So I do have a little bit of that skewed lens there. But if you look at what Coco Chanel did back, you know, right before she got really popular, is there was this, you know, hyper feminine way of dressing. And then she really took this very like relaxed boyish approach to it. And I think that that really showed a change um, too in women's rights and the roles that they wanted to play and questioning all of that. Um, and you're seeing a lot of that pop up into fashion now and like mixing, you know, menswear and women's wear and unisex clothing as well. Um, so everyone's pushing the envelope and everyone's really questioning things, um, which is something really exciting to see and be part of. Absolutely. And I think that this mindset around um, gender inclusive clothing has grown a lot with Generation Z when we think about identity and with young people continually pushing, I don't want to say pushing the envelope because that's not it at all, but um, continually questioning, like, why are we in one box or the other? Why can't I wear, as you mentioned, like something that would be traditionally men's wear with a skirt, which would be traditionally women's wear or um, looking at pieces that are traditionally for one gender or the other? Um, because I think gender expression is very different and the intersectional identity of Generation Z is very different than youth even just 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And so I think society is evolving too when we think about humans or humans, just let people wear what they want to wear and be happy and operate and be a good person. So I, I love to see that Generation Z is kind of ushering this in, that there's this element of expression and acceptance. And I think that's really important um, because wearing the right thing can be scary. Um, you always think like, who's judging me or who's who's saying that what I'm wearing is right or wrong? Yeah, definitely. And I also think going off of that is our connection to brands. And I think that a lot of people say that that younger generations are a little bit more fickle than and a little less brand loyal than, you know, older generations. And I really um, beg to differ with that. And I think that we're not less loyal. We're just expecting a lot more from our brands socially, um, also experience wise and how they are um connecting with us. So I feel like a lot of brands are just, there's all this noise going on. Um, and you know, they're talking a lot, but they're not saying anything super meaningful. But then if you look at the brands that we connect with, like when we love something, we make it go viral kind of thing. Um, look at how it works with social media right now and the way we're marketing to Gen Z is so important. And if you look at, you know, we don't believe all of the advertisements that I think past generations have and like with influencers and authenticity and the rise of, you know, we want our peer talking to us. That's why there was the rise of influencers. And now there's this whole, um, this idea of people really just following the influencers that they feel are authentic and we're really questioning a lot. Um, so I'm seeing a huge shift in that as well. Could you give an example of some of the brands that Generation Z has kind of rallied around for especially resonating with some of the more social values or inclusive values that Generation Z has? Mm -hmm. 
Gucci, I think, is really leading the way in this. Um, and very much um, they donated a lot to gun control rights. Um, they stand behind pride. They went for free very early on before a lot of the other luxury brands joined. Um, and then if you look at that, it, look at um, a lot of younger kids that can't necessarily um, afford Gucci yet are going to Gucci for their splurge purpose for their splurge purchases um, or finding their vintage bags from Gucci. Um, and so you see people that can't necessarily buy all Gucci, like splurging and investing in them because they really stand behind them. Or then on the beauty side of things, Glossier. I mean, look at how that took off and, you know, what they stand for. And so, yeah, that's been really interesting to watch. Yeah. Do you have any – and on the flip side of that, do you – what would be – a brand example, and we're not we're not slandering anybody, but uh, a brand that has kind of either fallen in grace from Generation Z, or um, we've seen a little bit of movement away from. Because I know that there's something there is this tide within Generation Z that divestment is still a powerful tool, even if it's individual consumers. And so I'm always curious about, you know, what are some brands that they have potentially moved away from, and we're seeing a youth divestment, whether it's official or not. So I think that um, the traditional retailers were really struggling. Um, and we've seen a lot of them go under recently with COVID and also before COVID. And I think, you know, bigger organizations have a really difficult time adapting faster. Um, and so, I mean, look how Barney's went under. Um, and there's Lord & Taylor, a lot of those. And so retailers are actually our biggest partner. And that's why we came in at the time we did. And we're actually very strategic about those partnerships um, because I don't think the retail, I know that the retailer model is not dead. It just needs a breath of fresh air. And that's really where we're coming in at Mata and helping. So I don't think um, the younger generations are going to move away from them Definitely. I just think that they're going through a little bit of transition and growing pains um, and we're working very closely with them um, outside of just our native app, but, you know, through their technology and stuff as well to help them really adapt. Now, if you're thinking about what works and resonating with Generation Z from the brands that either you've worked with or that you've kind of observed, it's it's part of your job to be doing that. What do you think are the key things that brands should be paying attention to and prioritizing when we're thinking about better engaging Generation Z, either as consumers or investors or whatever that might might look like? But what do you think is key to engaging Gen Z when it comes to brands? Yeah, um, it's not enough to just sell a good product anymore. It's not. If I can find that product in a million other places, we're savvy. We can find it cheaper on Amazon, faster shipping. We can find a lookalike. We can buy it vintage. It's not enough to just sell things. You really need to work on building that emotional connection with the customer. And we've, through our research and um, our data with Mata and also what we're seeing from our brand partners, the key to that is being the resource of inspiration for them. Um you're not just, brands aren't just competing with other brands anymore. They're competing with anyone that has their customer's attention because we are everywhere nowadays. Um, and so Instagram, TikTok, all of those, that is competition in my opinion, in some way, shape or form. Um, and what we've seen with Mata is we actually have a very, very high um, engagement rate and average session time 
outperforming a lot of the main social media platforms. And so that's been really interesting to see. And then talking with our customers, we have become that platform of inspiration for them. Um, And so now we're, you know, figuring out how we can use the success that we've had being that resource of inspiration and then help brands do that through their own sites, not just through Mata as well. That's wonderful. So we've talked a little bit about Gen Z's values and how to engage Gen Z thinking about consumers, thinking about what they're looking for in fashion, what they're looking for in consumerism. Um, But I'm a firm believer that fashion is also kind of a reflection or an intersection of society and societal values that Uh, And we can do this. We can look at history and we can say what was going on in society and how did fashion evolve and how did it change over time? So what do you think today's fashion, especially among Generation Z, communicates about um, society and today's societal values? Oh, that is such a good question. Um, I think it it really comes back to the whole free to be you and me that I think that we're really seeing right now. There's always going to be trends. That's something that I've been, I mean, I look around in New York and you see people dressing all differently, but then you do see people, a lot of people that give into the trend. That's never going to go away. But I think that, I think it really does come back to the whole free to be you and me movement that we're seeing. Um, And, you know, you look around and they're, there's always going to be trends and that's something we're always going to see. But I think that people are constantly, I think it's really coming back to your own individual style. And that's really what we've been trying to do with Mata from the beginning. And if you look at Instagram, Instagram started as this place of really pretty pictures and it turned into a space of here's my really curated life and here's my perfect outfit. And look at me smiling with my matcha latte. And now I'm really seeing it shifting into let's show the behind the scenes. Let's show the pimples on my face. Um, me a mess. We're all in quarantine. People really want to see imperfect nowadays. And I think that that's really going to translate into fashion. And I think the place that that's starting is on social media right now. And people just getting comfortable sharing. You need one person to share their struggles or to show their not so perfect picture for you to do that too. And I think that really is permission to be yourself. So as we're starting to see, you know, every style come back into fashion and we're seeing a lot of rainbow and bright colors and um, really everything's out there. Um, I think people will really feel permission to be themselves and start dressing like that as well. Yeah. I think that that is such a good summary that I think society is just at a place where we can do our best to keep up with trends, but at the same time, trends are trends and they come and they go. And I think that there's a lot of value in exploring the trends to figure out what really works well for you and what's going to be sustainable for your life and your future and who you are. Um, And I love that Gen Z is leading the way in that. And you said, so you saying sustainable remind me of this. Um, recycling fashion, huge right now. Things okay, fast fashion really popped up, and with Gen Z, it's going viral. Of course, we have our Zara's, and things come into our closet very fast, and they're leaving our closet very fast. But they're not going to the dumpster necessarily; they're going to someone else's closet. And I think we're really going to see an increase in recycling fashion as well and buying vintage and borrowing from your friend's closet and rent the runway fashion 
the life cycle of a piece of clothing is becoming so much more circular and it's not ending up in the trash as much, um, or at least we're trying not to have it end up there. And I think that that shows so much um, about Gen Z and the social causes that we care about too. Workers' rights and saving the environment. Um, And so we're being very conscious about our clothing, where our clothing is coming from. I don't think we're totally there yet. I think think we're still on our way to it. Um, But we're starting to hold brands accountable and we're starting to hold ourselves accountable Um, and being like very intentional and conscientious about where we're making our purchase and where the clothing is going after we're no longer wearing it. Um, So I'm really, really excited to see um, the direction that we move in as consumers and also brands when it comes to um, the ethics of our clothing decision decision making. Absolutely. And I think that conscious consumerism is growing. I think that's an amazing trend that people are becoming more aware of um, not only the companies that they're buying from, but the, the business practices and the sustainable elements of it. So this idea of socially conscious, conscious consumerism, not only in fashion, but in other elements, I think is, is growing and people will call it cancel culture. I don't think it is. It's this idea of we're not investing our personal money into companies that we don't believe in. Um, and I'd love to see that growing. Like, and I think that people feel better when they know where and how their clothes are made and that they are ethically and sustainably made. Like I feel like a million dollars when I wear my Rothy's that are made out of recycled marine plastic, like live for it. I'm like, and I tell everyone about it because I know that it's something where I've helped a little bit. Um, even if I'm just one person with one pair of shoes, it, that's the chain reaction that it, that it creates. So I love that Gen Z is is kind of leading the way on that. If you haven't gathered, I'm a big fan of Gen Z. Um, and it seems like you are too, which I love. So I ask every single one of my guests this question. And I think I'm really excited for your perspective on this. But what is your favorite thing about your Generation Z peers? My favorite thing about my peers is how we're not willing to accept the status quo anymore. Um, one of my favorite I love Mary Oliver she's a poet and writer um and or she was and she has this quote that's like there are the people in the world that make the world go round and there are the people in the world that make the world go forward and I think Gen Z really a lot of Gen Z is falling into that latter category and we're really trying to make figure out how can we improve? How can we make tomorrow better for the generations that are coming next to us? But they're coming next. Yes. Um, And so I'm very proud to be part of that generation that's really thinking about that and helping push things forward. I think that that is absolutely true in so many ways that I've been able to observe, research, and connect with Gen Z just like yourself. I think that's very present. Um, And I'm excited to see how they continue to push forward and help our society. Well, Madison, thank you so much for being here and sharing your insights. Um, This has been such an enlightening conversation for me. Um, I think it is absolutely fantastic what you're doing with your work with Mata and continually pushing um, positive messaging around fashion and expression, but also sustainable and um, conscious consumerism. So thank you for the work that you're doing. I'm sure people will be definitely interested in being able to follow you. I will share some information in our show notes, but um, if people are curious about following along with your work and everything you're doing with Mata, where can they find you and what's the best way uh, for them to stay um, involved and tuned in? 
Yeah, you can find our Instagram at, at the Mata app. Um, and then you can find us on the App Store the same way. And you can email me at madison at the I love to talk to our customers and our users and to hear all of your feedback or conversations. So please reach out. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Well, thank you for being here. And I'm excited to share your story. So thanks, Madison. A big thank you to Madison for joining me in this episode to share her insights about Generation Z and fashion. It's hard to fully capture the essence of Generation Z trends, but I think Madison did a wonderful job. That for Generation Z, the biggest trend is confidently being yourself, but that brands that Generation Z is willing to invest in have to be aligned with their values. And just like the generations that came before them, Generation Z is using fashion as a form of expression of their identities, values, and priorities. While the trends might change, there's truly something to appreciate about the underlying current of Generation Z's mindset of acceptance, social consciousness, and authenticity when it comes to fashion. And thank you for stopping back for this episode. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. There are more episodes on the way, but if you have a topic you're interested in or a member of Generation Z that you think I need to chat with, please head over to my website, meganmgrace.com, or you can find me on social media to drop me a quick note. Thank you again for stopping by. Let's continue this conversation and we'll chat soon. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.